Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This is an Apostrophe Podcast production. Hi, everyone. I'm so happy to welcome you all to season two of We Regret to Inform You, the Rejection Podcast. What a year it's been. Some ups and many, many downs. Rejection, loss, fear, anxiety, hopelessness. We've weathered it all. My hope for this season is that it's a safe space. Maybe a little escape if you need one. And a much-needed reminder of the perseverance and resilience of the human spirit as we enter the home stretch of the pandemic. Thank you for joining us. We have some fascinating and inspiring stories to share with you. Now let's begin with episode one. We regret to inform you, the Rejection Podcast. Inside, I really did feel like I had something to contribute, but the world was always saying no, over and over and over again. Mark Ruffalo. One evening in Kenosha, Wisconsin, An eight-year-old boy was allowed, nay, encouraged, to stay up past his bedtime. It wasn't Christmas Eve or his birthday. It was 1975, and there was a movie making its television debut that the boy's mother said he just had to see. 
It was called A Streetcar Named Desire with Vivian Lee and Marlon Brando. That night, as the boy studied Brando in black and white, the only words he could conjure were, oh my God. Later in his life, he would articulate the feeling in three slightly more sophisticated words. He said Brando struck a balance of magnetism, fearlessness, and vulnerability. But at eight years old, the boy simply marveled at Brando's raw talent and quietly wondered to himself if one day he might see his own name appear in the opening credits of a feature film. So, naturally, as he made his way through elementary and high school, he developed a talent of his own and found himself focusing on one thing and one thing only. Wrestling. Huh. As it turns out, from the day he stepped onto a mat for the first time, he was unstoppable. In fact, he became a freestyle state champion and suddenly, despite being a C-level student, found himself staring down the barrel of a full ride to any college of his choosing, a guarantee that no doubt delighted his parents. But inside, he was screaming, Stella. As he looked ahead at his prearranged life, he realized a career of half-Nelsons would be denying his true innermost desire, acting. So, to his wrestling coach's horror and his teammates' utter bewilderment, Ruffalo quit the team in his senior year. He stepped out of the gym and instead walked straight down the hall and over to the theater department. He said it was chock full of other oddballs, like him. And that year, for the first time, he saw his name not in opening credits, but in a playbill. Mark Allen Ruffalo. Ruffalo's father was what he calls a serial entrepreneur, mainly within the painting business, whose various endeavors took the family from coast to coast. They'd lived in Wisconsin, Virginia, and once Ruffalo graduated high school, they were moving again, this time heading west to San Diego, California. Ruffalo's mother was a hairstylist, and he had three siblings, one brother and two sisters, all three of which decided to become hairstylists. Let's pause and do the math on that. Four out of the six members of the Ruffalo family went into hairdressing. Ruffalo, on the other hand, wasn't so handy with a hairbrush or a paintbrush. He spent his days watching his friends apply and get accepted to college and fielding the dreaded question, so what are your plans for next year? The truth was he had only one plan, to become the next Marlon Brando. But if he said it out loud, he'd be exposing himself to a parade of raised eyebrows and scoffs. So he kept that information to himself and instead told everyone the reason they were moving to San Diego was because he was accepted to UCSD. It was a white lie. In reality, he hadn't applied anywhere. But he did work up the courage to travel to New York to attend a single audition for the State University of New York theater program. He figured after his experience with high school theater, he'd head for the broad way. But after his audition, the head of the department posed a simple yet poignant question. He said, so what are you gonna do when you realize you'll never make it as an actor? 
Once the family settled in San Diego, Ruffalo said he spent the next six months surfing, smoking, wandering aimlessly, and going nowhere really fast. In search of a direction, he attended a local junior college acting class, but quickly vetoed the experience. He said they taught over-the-top, broad sitcom acting, and it felt ridiculous. Then someone recommended he check out something called the Stella Adler Studio of Acting in Los Angeles. So Ruffalo booked himself an interview. He took a three-hour bus ride from San Diego to L.A. until he found himself standing on Hollywood Boulevard, underneath the studio's arched entranceway. But suddenly his mind flooded with doubt. School had always been hard for him, likely due to undiagnosed dyslexia, not to mention he'd already been told he'd never make it as an actor. But he walked inside and sat down for an interview with one of the teachers. And just 10 minutes in, she said, Darling, you belong here. Those four words were a life raft for Ruffalo. He said he had never had anyone anywhere tell him he belonged. Suddenly, this C-level student was excited to learn. Ruffalo wandered aimlessly again, this time down the halls of the Stella Adler studio, scanning the framed photographs of the notable alumni splayed proudly across the walls. Robert De Niro, Holland Taylor, Warren Beatty, Elaine Stritch, and someone by the name of Marlon Brando. Stella Adler once said, If you can live without acting, then don't act. As soon as Ruffalo walked into his first class at the studio, he said he immediately felt a sense of relief wash over him. He really did belong there. Of course, he spent the first six months too afraid to volunteer for any exercises. He preferred to sit back and let his classmates Salma Hayek and Benicio Del Toro take the leads. Until eventually, one day, the very teacher who had conducted Ruffalo's interview told him that while much can be gleaned by observing, acting was a contact sport. She said, you have to put in the work. So he did. Ruffalo took odd jobs to pay for his bus rides from San Diego to Los Angeles. He was a gardener. He strung guitars at a local music store. He was a busboy, a mover, a bartender. The only thing he didn't take a stab at was hairdressing. As Ruffalo gained confidence in his classes, he and a group of fellow students decided to start their own theater troupe. They put on no-budget productions of The Seagull and A Midsummer Night's Dream on Santa Monica Boulevard. And soon it only made sense to quit schlepping back and forth to L.A. So Ruffalo, his brother, their cousin, and a friend all moved into a one-bedroom apartment near MacArthur Park, a notoriously dicey part of town. It was rough. The brothers shared the only bed, and they survived off food stamps. Sometimes, one of them would make a giant bowl of tuna pasta to sustain the foursome for an entire week. Meanwhile, he was going on auditions. Hundreds of them. He would walk in, quickly scan the script pages, pour his heart out, and ultimately be rejected. Hundreds of times. Until one day when he got a callback for an unexpected part. 
to play an acne-prone teen keen to zap-zap-double-zap his pimples in a Clearasil television commercial. Amongst a sea of oily-complexioned hopefuls, the director plucked young Mark Ruffalo out of obscurity. But not because of his talent. Because the director said he loved how Ruffalo just seemed like an average kid who came right off the street and didn't know how to act at all. Ruffalo didn't worry so much about the feedback. The campaign paid $30,000. He was rich. He said he'd finally made it in Hollywood. He quit his other jobs and promptly took his friends to a proper dinner. Then, he lent money to the people in his life that needed it the most. Then, he bought a brand new stereo system for his car. Then, he realized he was fresh out of cash. In the light of day in MacArthur Park, he knew he hadn't made it, because the Clearasil ad didn't lead to a single other part of substance. He went back to stringing guitars and gardening and acting in no-budget, no-audience plays. And auditioning. Another hundred opportunities. And another hundred rejections. He took a job bartending at the famed Chateau Marmont on Sunset Boulevard. If you wanted to be a bartender, it was a great gig. If you wanted to be an actor, it was just depressing. He spent his nights pouring scotch for the young Hollywood elite, like Nicolas Cage and Johnny Depp people living the life he so desperately wanted for himself. Ruffalo said it was a low point, but he would soon learn that low point had a basement. Ruffalo continued taking courses at the Stella Adler Academy, learning how to develop his emotional range when it occurred to him that his fellow students seemed to have the most trouble accessing anger on stage. That was strange to Ruffalo, because he found rage to be one of his most accessible emotions. And why wouldn't it be? He spent most of his days angry or frustrated. He said if you came over to his apartment at that time, you'd see some strategically placed posters hanging in odd places across the walls. They were covering the many holes he'd punched through the drywall, or where he'd hurled dishes or books, whatever he could get his hands on. He was weathering rejection constantly. His living situation was bordering on bleak, and he had no money. Those were the feelings that hovered constantly just under the surface, easy to evoke at a moment's notice. He said he was the poster definition of an angry young man with a persecution complex. If only one day he could land the role of a character driven by rage. In an act of desperation, Ruffalo took on any part he could add to his post-it note resume, which at the time limited him to the hitherto unrecognized genre of erotic horror, where he says he was essentially just murdered over and over and over again. Needless to say, the movies went straight to video. A trilogy about a mirror that reveals shocking secrets, and another about a psychotic dentist. It was deeply unfulfilling. He says he became so sick of relying on other people to decide whether or not he had a career, so he decided to take matters into his own hands. 
When he wasn't auditioning, he buried himself at the local library, poring over the classics and steeping his mind in the stories of playwrights and screenwriters until he felt ready to take a stab at his own script. He remembered a conversation he'd overheard at one of his many part-time gigs. Two men had come into the bar he was tending one night and had a strange and clandestine conversation. Ruffalo said he could tell the pair was involved with the mafia. He'd scribbled their entire conversation down onto a napkin as best he could and decided to base the premise of his movie on that brief but fascinating conversation. It would be a thriller called The Destiny of Marty Fine. With virtually no budget, Ruffalo decided if he wanted to get his movie made, he'd have to pile on the hats. He became an actor, screenwriter, a producer, a set designer, the entire art department, the camera crew, and a driver. And he cast his friends, fellow struggling actors, as the leads. In 1996, Ruffalo released The Destiny of Marty Fine. The independent film got little attention, but enough at least for a few reviews. Variety called it, quote, a hopelessly amateurish drama that made the least of an obviously low budget. It was exhausting, and Sundance wasn't calling. He swore then and there to never make another independent film. So the only other option was to go back to that thing he knew only too well, the audition process, something Ruffalo decided he was terrible at and dreaded doing. Then one day, at one such audition, he met a man named Kenneth Lonergan. Lonergan was an aspiring film director and playwright looking to cast a dark comedic play he'd penned called This Is Our Youth. It was about three teens on the cusp of adulthood, feeling directionless and grappling with quarter-life crises. And it just so happened, Lonergan saw something in Ruffalo that made him think he was a perfect fit for the premise. And Ruffalo landed a part. In 1996, This Is Our Youth premiered. And this time, Variety gave a slightly different critique. They singled out Ruffalo, saying he in particular was a, quote, genuine discovery. Overall reception was positive. Except this was Hollywood. And Hollywood isn't exactly known for its theater. Very few actors make a living doing theater in L.A. And Ruffalo would be no exception. It was short-lived relief. He continued to audition for pilots, walk-ons, and independent films, but nothing stuck. He was 30 years old, performing 30-seat theaters and regularly borrowing money from his brother to get his car out of the impound lot. Ruffalo was told that the general rule in Hollywood was that it takes 100 auditions to land a job. By his count, he'd been turned down 800 times. It was like he'd boarded a streetcar named Rejection on the express route back to Kenosha, Wisconsin, where he belonged. And we'll be right back. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. By this point, it was the late 90s, and 24-year-old Ruffalo had nothing major to show for his career but a single play and an acne commercial. So he made a choice. To give up on the impossible dream, retreat to Wisconsin, endure the sympathetic nods from his childhood friends, and join his father's business. In the time Ruffalo was trying to make a go of his career in L.A., his parents had separated— His father's ventures in San Diego had failed, and he'd moved back to Kenosha to resuscitate his painting career. Ruffalo's mother stayed behind in California. Ruffalo was sick and tired of Hollywood. 800 rejections and less than $800 in his pocket. Painting, on the other hand, was a steady job, one where you didn't hear no every single day. But when wind of his decision to give up on his dream blew westward across the country— his mother immediately picked up the phone. She called her son and told him that though she'd made a point to never tell him what to do with his life, she had to make an exception that day. She said, you cannot quit now. Come back to California or I'll never forgive you. What she was really saying was that if he didn't go back and at least try, he'd be cementing his future and zap, zap, double zap any possibility of his dream coming true. Ruffalo said that to his mother, giving up was an affront. He didn't actually want to stay in Kenosha. In fact, he didn't even like painting. He remembered Stella Adler's sage words. He knew in his soul he couldn't live without acting. So his mother's encouragement became the excuse he needed, and he flew back across the country to Tinseltown. Little did he know, he wouldn't stay there long. In 1998, 
Ruffalo got word that This Is Our Youth was picked up for a second run, this time off-Broadway in New York City, featuring the original cast. So Ruffalo and Lonergan traveled far away from pilot season and headfirst into theater season. Ruffalo said that in L.A., he never felt like he fit in, especially within his own age group. While his friends partied, he liked to spend his evenings in the library studying Russian playwrights from the 1800s. He felt like an ugly duckling. But when he landed in the Big Apple, all of that fell away. He was a swan. This Is Our Youth ran for six months, and in that time, Ruffalo received his third review from Variety. They said his performance was marvelous, and the New York Times called Ruffalo, quote, one of the delights of the theater season to date. It was a rave. With that success, Lonergan launched quickly into his first feature film. Written and directed by Lonergan, he called it You Can Count on Me. The movie told the story of a woman reunited with her estranged brother years after they lost their parents in a tragic accident. Laura Linney was cast as the female lead, and the male lead was given to a genuine discovery, Mark Ruffalo. They filmed in New York, and in the year 2000, for the first time, Ruffalo saw his name appear in the opening credits. It was a massive leap forward in his career. The film made its way to the prestigious Sundance Film Festival, where it won the Grand Jury Prize. Roger Ebert gave it four stars. Then a notification came from the 2001 Academy Awards. Lonergan was nominated for Best Screenplay and Linney for Best Actress. Ruffalo wasn't nominated, but Variety paid him the ultimate compliment, comparing his performance to that of a young Marlon Brando. Suddenly, the cast was on the radar of every major studio, and that's when Ruffalo's world turned completely upside down. He started fielding multi-million dollar movie offers. He was cast in The Last Castle alongside Robert Redford and James Gandolfini, which he said was the wildest dream come true. He met the woman he wanted to marry, and they found out they were expecting a child together. His mere presence in a 2002 film called XXXY upped the budget considerably, and he was cast in M. Night Shyamalan's Signs opposite Mel Gibson. Former Disney chairman and co-founder of DreamWorks, Jeffrey Katzenberg, rang to personally tell Ruffalo he saw big things in his future. Ruffalo couldn't believe it. It was like he'd been accidentally admitted into a fancy club, just waiting for everyone to realize their mistake and kick him back out. But he'd finally made it. He was at the top of the mountain, the height of his hard-earned career. Then one morning, he woke up and said, I have a brain tumor. Ruffalo says he didn't dream it. It didn't come to him in a nightmare. Instead, it was like someone just poured the knowledge into his head. He had zero symptoms. He just knew. He had a brain tumor. In fact, his certainty was so strange to him that he booked a doctor's appointment the very next day. His doctor thought it was a little crazy, but Ruffalo insisted on an MRI. 
and sure enough, the doctor walked in and told him. He had a mass behind his ear the size of a walnut, and he was scheduled for surgery in one month's time. As one can imagine, brain surgery comes with major risks. He had an 80% chance of losing his hearing in his left ear and a 20% chance of total paralysis on the left side of his face. For fear of putting stress on his wife, who was nine months pregnant at the time, Ruffalo kept the devastating news to himself, and instead, he waited. Three weeks later, one week before his surgery, his wife gave birth to their son. They shared in the joy, then he shared with her his reality. If he died on the operating table, he'd never know his son. And facial paralysis would be the end of his short-lived career. So he says he began bargaining with God. He needed his face to support his family. If he could keep his facial movement, he could give up his hearing. Ruffalo told no one but his family and his manager and was prepped for surgery. Ten hours later, the surgery was complete, and it went well. They removed the entirety of the tumor while preserving Ruffalo's nerves. The following day, he lost his hearing in one ear. Okay, his bargaining had worked. But on day two, he started losing facial movement. He couldn't close one eye. And by day four, the left side of his face was completely paralyzed the worst had happened. Ruffalo called M. Night Shyamalan and begged him not to recast his role in Signs, offering ways to integrate his paralysis into the film. Maybe his character was in a motorcycle accident. But Ruffalo's doctors quickly put a stop to his plans because he needed time to recover. Joaquin Phoenix was cast instead. Rumors started swirling around Hollywood about why he was cut from the film. Ruffalo and his family were living in New York City at the time, but it became clear his recovery was going to be a long process. They needed privacy and space to get away. So they moved into a house upstate where they didn't know a soul. Ruffalo says he went into hiding. Soon the little voice in his head that had alerted him of the tumor in the first place reappeared. But this time, it told him to keep moving. So every single day, he walked for miles and miles and spent one hour studying his face in a mirror, trying desperately to move his muscles. He kept a video diary of these attempts so that he could look back over the footage and scan it for even the faintest eye twitch. But he saw nothing. Another side effect was that he lost his sense of balance Even holding his newborn son became challenging. Soon after that, he completely lost his sense of direction. But the biggest thing Ruffalo says he lost was his confidence. His entire sense of self and autonomy, not to mention his new marriage, were tested. Every single day. He tried every kind of alternative medicine under the sun, but he didn't see any progress. He was approaching the seven-month mark. Seven months was the threshold his doctors had given him, after which it was almost certain his nerves were irreversibly damaged and his paralysis would remain permanent. Seven months turned into eight, then nine, then ten months had gone by, 
he wasn't getting any better. Then one day, after yet another acupuncture session, Gruffalo and his wife were driving home. He pulled down the visor mirror in the passenger seat to look for movement, as he did after every single appointment. He tried to raise his eyebrow. It didn't raise, his daily dose of heartbreak. But upon closer inspection, it twitched. Ruffalo turned to his wife and showed her. They both screamed, then cried. There was hope. He was coming back to himself. Over time, the majority of Ruffalo's facial movement returned, but the hearing in his left ear never did. It was a tough loss to cope with, but it was exactly what he'd bargained for. One year later, Ruffalo gained back his strength, and he was finally ready. Ready to return to his career and remind Hollywood he could still act, and hope he hadn't been forgotten. In 2003, he was cast in three films, including In the Cut, opposite Meg Ryan, and View from the Top with Gwyneth Paltrow. The following year, he landed Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, We Don't Live Here Anymore, and 13 Going on 30. In 2010, Ruffalo starred in The Kids Are All Right, a role that nabbed him an Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actor and solidified his place in Hollywood as a serious actor. Then he landed on the radar of a certain studio looking to recast a beloved and well-known character. Ruffalo was extremely reluctant, The script wasn't even finished yet, and it would require intimidating technical stunts. So we started talking the producers out of casting him. The role was a soft-spoken scientist named Bruce, studying the effects of gamma radiation at a university lab. But when an experiment goes awry, overexposure to the radiation triggers a fantastic transformation, turning mild-mannered Bruce into a green, hulking giant fueled by his own rage. But Ruffalo doubted he was the right guy for the part. And yet, he was the mild-mannered, quietest student at the Stella Adler Academy, who in reality was harboring a secret desire to unleash his pent-up anger from all the rejection he'd endured and the hardships in his life. This was the very role he was waiting to play. So he re-evaluated the offer. And in 2012, Mark Ruffalo appeared for the first time as the Hulk in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the first ever actor to portray both Bruce Banner as well as the CGI Hulk. And soon, the man who survived off food stamps and communal tuna pasta made Forbes' list of the highest-paid actors in Hollywood before starring in Avengers Endgame one of the top two grossing films of all time. When you look at Mark Ruffalo's career from afar, you think, there's a successful actor who's got the world by the tail. But what you don't see, unless you look very closely, are all the crippling hurdles he had to overcome. His story offers two valuable insights you can take with you. 
The first is to love, honor, and obey your gut feelings. Your interior voice never leads you astray. It has no ulterior motives, it is not influenced by outside forces, and it is not focused on anything but your best interests. Yet, it takes a long time to trust your own gut feelings. Sometimes, you have to sit in silence just to hear that little voice. It will tell you if a decision feels right, if you should accept an offer, whether you should go into business with someone. It will tug at you if the direction you're heading in is wrong. And sometimes, it can even tell you if you have a brain tumor. That little voice is your true north. Learn to listen. The second insight is to embrace what Mark Ruffalo's inner voice kept telling him. To keep moving. For Mark to achieve his remarkable success, he had to keep moving through so many difficult obstacles. Acting teachers telling him he was no good, bad reviews, 800 rejections, a brain tumor, facial paralysis. But he kept moving. The reason he was about to start going backwards to pick up that paintbrush in Wisconsin was that he stopped listening to that inner voice. It took a phone call from his mother to insist he keep moving forward. Every stumbling block Mark Ruffalo overcame gave him something. His failed auditions gave him time to study his craft. His move away from Hollywood gave him a theater role. That theater role would lead him back to Hollywood. His slow recovery showed him he could push through paralyzing adversity. And his bottled-up anger made him perfect for the biggest role of his life. Many people who never achieve their dreams are people who stopped halfway through something. When you hit your lowest point, that is your crossroad. You can pack it all in, head home, and rock in the dark wondering what might have been. Or you can keep moving. Never, ever give up. Mark Allen Ruffalo. Academy Award nominations, 3. Emmy Awards, 2. Golden Globe Awards, 1. Auditions before landing his big break, 800. Next time, pick on someone your own size. The Rejection Podcast is an apostrophe podcast production and is recorded in an Airstream mobile recording studio. This series is hosted and written by me, Sydney O'Reilly. Research, Allison Pinches. Director, Callie O'Reilly. Engineer, Jeff Devine. Producer, Debbie O'Reilly. Theme music by Ian Lefevre and Ari Posner. Major sources for this episode are listed in the show notes on our website, apostrophepodcasts.ca slash rejection. Follow us on social at apostrophepod. If you're interested in advertising on our show, let's chat. Click Advertise with us on our site. We regret to inform you this series is executive produced by one Terry O'Reilly. See you next time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.